Welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So me and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. And welcome to the Lady Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam McIntyre. I'm really excited to have on to the show today Caroline Kennedy. Now, Caroline is an accomplished CEO and global thought leader on business and leadership. She's a sought-after coach to top executives with a really extensive uh, list, and she's just recently written a new book. Welcome, Caroline. Oh, thank you. It's such an honour and a pleasure to be here, Sam. And I've been listening to some of your interviews and uh, and I feel quite privileged uh, to be here chatting with you because such amazing women you've interviewed. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It's like I'm I'm doing a kind of a leadership PhD by, you know, interviewing so many people and learning so much myself. So, yeah, I'm, I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, Caroline, so let's tell me about being a CEO. Tell me about that journey. Let's start there. The journey. Uh, well, it was a long one and a windy one, I would say, with lots of ups and downs. So my career has spanned over 25 years now and I lose track of time because I I think at one point you go, really, has it been that long? Am I getting older and older. I feel so young, but I started my career in hospitality and and tourism and started at the ground roots and worked my way up. Uh, Most recently, my role, I was uh, CEO of a uh, Australia's largest building franchise, Hotondo Homes, and uh, they have 80 franchises nationally uh, with over 500 uh, employees nationally as well, so quite a large organisation and an interesting one being in the building industry. And then also prior to that, I was the CEO of Tempo Holidays and Mentors, which was uh, or is a uh, wholesale travel organisation and I was with that organisation when travel um, went through the era of um, where it was being disrupted and people were purchasing online and so there was a a lot of uncertainty around the industry at that time and the business really needed to adapt and, and we needed to look at the business model. So I really cut my teeth on some interesting roles and challenges uh, within my career, which I love. I love a challenge. So tell me about that, you know, you, you started out and was it for you? And because and, this, this is how it was for me. It's like, what's that next job? What's that next job? Or were you, or were you someone who was like, I want to be a CEO? I knew from a very early age that I wanted to do something for me and for others as well from an impact perspective, but I I wanted to do something that I didn't think was possible for me. Uh, and I talk a lot about in my early uh, years, particularly in my teenage years, I grew up in adversity. So, 
if I was to think about as a 16-year-old, did I ever imagine that I would be able to become a CEO of a, you know, multi-million dollar organisation? No. And I always joke about if you told me at the age of 16 that I would have done that, I would have asked you if you were bonkers or if you'd been smoking some funny stuff, you know, Um, because I came from adversity and it just didn't seem possible at that time. But each step, and I made a commitment to myself back then uh, where I had a mentor who was, he was a catalyst for change for me because he said to me, you've been put on this earth. The um, the chances of you actually being here are, are unique because if your parents didn't meet, if your grandparents didn't meet, if your ancestor or, or your bloodline stopped, you wouldn't be on this earth. Do you know how precious it, it, precious it is that you are here? And what are you going to do with this life? What are you going to do that um, makes a difference? And I remember thinking he's right. You get one opportunity at this, um, as far as we're aware, why not work towards doing something that I think is not possible or, rem- you know, remarkable from that standpoint? And, and I just t- took one step at a time. But what I did do was become a lifelong learner and practitioner. And I was like a sponge. I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to be the best version of myself. But what I would say in my earlier career, for me, that was more about self as opposed to others uh, and, and, and wanting to achieve. So I did go down a path of um, what I would say was not even leadership, management of, of, of of driving people to get results and just being driven for success. Uh, and then about a decade ago, I started to question whether, probably even more, whether that was leading me to, um, whether I was fulfilled by that. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. I started to question management and leadership. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we've had a sort of similar path. You know, I like, you know, my, my dad was a, aircraft engineer my mum worked in the office of a school you know there wasn't um you know it was nice if you went to university you didn't necessarily have to go to university it was get a job and then you know see where that job takes you and similar yeah I was like okay what's the next opportunity similar though I got to a position and it was about sort of that activity and driving teams and then it was about okay how can I do this better yeah yeah. Yeah. How yeah. can I, it's, it's got to be kind of, I, I remember thinking to myself a long time ago, I, I don't mind if people don't like me as long as I respect me. And then I was like, no, I actually want respect and for people to like me. Cause I'm, I'm actually, you know, I've got a lot more traits than just kind of driving people to outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I did. I would say, though, that uh, for me it was, and similarly to you, I thought, and we're we're role modelled that way as well in the corporate and private sector, Uh, but I thought there has to be a better way. There has to be a more human-centric way. And uh, and what does that look like? How can I have a greater impact on people? How can I help people become better versions of themselves? And then we all lift 
shift. So it was more around for me being uh, questioning whether I was operating from a place of self or service. And it was yeah. very much in my early career, a place of self. Yeah. 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 I, I think someone told me that one time as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that I think that is, you know, it's your ego and you kind of want to climb the corporate ranks, et cetera. And then once you have a bit, you actually, I think there's a real kind of switch um, and it's like, how can I help others? And, um, you know, I, I discovered the thing I enjoy most was helping women with their leadership. And I discovered, you know, that every time I was in a position of seniority that I could actually help other women and, you know, yeah. Particular, I worked in the technology space, so particularly, um, you know, being able to support and mentor and promote and hire, you know, more women into that space, that's where I sort of found I was able to impact. Yeah, um, and that's so important because we, we need those role models and those advocates for women, as you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And yeah. so when did you, What did, was there a moment where you sort of had that switch or did it just sort of, you know, evolve over or you were, you, I think, you know, with leadership, what you've done to get you where you are is not necessarily what you need to do to take you further. So was there a moment in time or... Yeah, there was um, for me and, and really that's about <clears throat> looking back at I remember when I was leaving an organisation, a young, and it was my last day, and we we're having a going away, and a young lady came up to me and she said, I, uh, I wanted to, I hear you're leaving and I wanted to come up and say goodbye, but to let you know how important you've been in my life. And I was quite shocked. And she went on to tell me that um, uh, one day she said, you were going to the bathroom, you walked past my desk, you looked at me, and she said, I got the fright of my life the way you were looking at me. Um, and you went into the bathroom, but you came back out. And when you came back out, you came up to my desk. And she said, and I was literally scared out of my wits. Why is she, the CEO, standing in front of me? And she said, you asked me to come into your office. And what was interesting, was in that moment, what I had witnessed over a short period of time was this gregarious young lady who was really committed to her work, who showed up every day with such enthusiasm and uh, she brought and was committed to her work continually and engaging with everybody in the office. Now, she didn't report directly to me, but what I witnessed was a shift in her how she was showing up um, and she was withdrawn, she wasn't engaging. So I brought her into my office and I said to her, are you okay? And, and, um, and she burst into tears and she said, no, I'm not and I don't know what's wrong with me. And I said, all right. And I talked, you know, some stuff through with her and then I said, let me call your doctor um, and we'll make an appointment for you and I want you to go and speak to them. Yeah. Um, and she let me do that and we did that and, and I offered to drive her there but she didn't want that and, and she went and I checked in on her that night. And she was off for a few weeks over that period. But what she said to me that day when I was leaving, she said, you've been so important in my life because nobody recognised. And, and she said, I didn't even know what was wrong with me. But you were that, you you pushed that, that and you asked me how I was, but you pushed me to go and seek to, to get some support. And, and um, we don't realise how important we are in people's lives and how connected we are. And as humans, how, um, how, 
individuals need us. And I think for me, that really was the catalyst for change if I look back and start to evaluate it, because then I realised that actually rather than driving people and uh, rather than, um, you know, just being focused on self, how can I help others and lift other, uh, others up and as a result set everybody up for success? And then I went in on a journey around learning more about what that looks like and how I can be a better leader and a better person too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's so important. It's that human. It's that human piece, isn't it? Really, and it's you know, it's when you stop talking about people as resources, and you start <laughs> talking about them as individuals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that um, yeah, it's it's not necessarily. It's about kind of bringing people together to get the the best outcomes for them and for the organisation. Yeah. yeah, aligning them to a common goal and empowering them to be accountable to themselves. Yes, uh, and 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 that piece around just uh, being aligned to achieving, but they're doing it for themselves, uh, and that empowerment piece. And it's it's so powerful, it really is. Yeah, I do like that accountability to to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and if you if you're not bringing that, then maybe that's not the right place for you, and you have to then search somewhere else. Yeah, and I think it's about helping people to be accountable. I know in the work that I do, I help uh, I hold leaders accountable, yeah. and then I help them to, and support them to holding their teams accountable to themselves because people. Um, once once you can connect them to that accountability piece, they just go off and do it themselves because they're aligned to it. Yeah, yeah, you're not needing to check on them and drive them and, you know, tell them what to do. Yeah. They've got some skin in the game, so to speak. Yeah, it's what I call influence or one part of influence anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the book then. So the book's around, you know, the skills and tell me if I've got this right, the skills that you need sort of lead, it's called Lead Beyond 2030. Um, it's the skills that you're going to need in the next decade and beyond, essentially. Yeah. 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 And and it it it, it evaluates uh, what I call um, old school management, um, that traditional management um, and the skills required there and then the evolution of leadership and the future and what what the variables are in terms of skills that are in demand. And I know it's moving very quickly and, and you as you're, a, you know, it, it, in the tech space, you would know um, a lot about this. But when we look at AI, the evolution of AI and how that's been, um, how it's been introduced into business um, and how we look at data and the information we can get from data and, um, and how that is impacting then the skills that are needed because obviously skills become redundant um, and roles become redundant. But what I see is, is that the advances in technology and the move towards um, what we call the fifth um, industrial revolution is around um, how we can harness those human skills more um, and, and, and then utilise the technology to be able to help us advance and that piece around remaining relevant 
and it's evaluating also to the research out there, the research that I've done. So what we've concluded is that um, the nine skills for the future are they first look at leading self, leading business, uh, sorry, leading others, and then leading business. So leading self is around that embracing um, emotional intelligence, tapping into self-awareness, building authority. And then if we look at leading others, it's about leveraging human behavior, getting really clear on human behavior, why individuals do what they do, and particularly around, you know, we can somewhat be one-dimensional, um, historically in the way we look at leadership and how we lead. So one dimensional and we take one approach, whereas the future requires, particularly around human behavior, that we become multidimensional, that we look at individuals and what they need from us. So meeting people where they're at and taking a multidimensional approach based on that. And then we look at influence, empowering high performing teams, tapping into into um, humans as, and help, helping to empower them, holding them accountable. And then when we look at leading business, that's around the actively problem solving, um, cultivating uh, um, businesses and cultures that are critical thinking and, and we're cultivating that as a skill and then nurturing that adaptability quotient. And what's quite interesting, Sam, is that for I would say for five plus years, I've been talking about the importance of adaptability. And certainly I know you'd be quite familiar with that given you're in that, that tech space, but there are a lot of leaders who really dismissed it. And then when COVID happened, um, everybody had to adapt. And, and for me, that's that that continuing to remain relevant, whether it be business or self, looking at what the future holds and ensuring that you're adapting to what's required for the future too. Yeah, it's sort of that Kodak story, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, <you laughs> They're know, in there. They're in the book. Oh, are they? Good. Yeah, yeah and the Blackberry. <laughs> oh, and the Blackberry, yeah. that's a, yeah. I mean, That one's incredible as well. We all had a Blackberry, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and we were all getting our pictures developed at uh, Target. Um, yeah, it really is that looking forward, and I, I agree with you entirely. You know, the skills that I've got today, are they the skills that I need for that next evolution or are they the skills that I need for that change? And I think, um, you know, that's important is that, like you said around yourself, that lifelong learning, like what if you're in a – a role and I think sometimes you know I see this in senior leadership what what are they learning or how are they learning or how are they getting out of their chairs and finding out about yeah. what's going on yeah 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 uh, I agree a hundred percent and we tend to what I see is do the same things over and over again but expect a different result yes. and it's really just challenging that status quo and thinking how can we do things better what does that look like and for me I, I was always that leader um, that did that it came quite naturally to me because I'm very curious 
And so I I would think about, okay, like in the travel industry, when that was being disrupted, um, we uh, I, you know, went out and did lots of analysis, got data points, understood what was changing, what did we need to do. We are very much a traditional business model whereby the travel agent would come and buy from us and we'd sell product, let's say, for Europe if a person wanted to go travel um, through, let's say, Greece hotels, we'd arrange the entire thing. But what would happen is we'd go off to suppliers and they'd come back and it'd take a week for us to put an itinerary together. And the the the, the pace of um, how the consumer was purchasing just moved so much quicker than that and we needed to adapt and we needed to look at how we leverage technology to do that, XML connections to to get instant um, availability, instant confirmations, um, looking at our online platform, how we communicate about with, with travel agents and consumers and, and just to evolve that business model to ensure that the business remain relevant. And it was in a time where a lot of organisations in travel, particularly those traditional wholesale models, they weren't surviving. They were closing doors all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because it really did shift from that, you know, go to the travel agent because I want to go travelling yeah. to jump online, do some research yourself and book some places basically yeah. if you yeah. if you had that desire, you know, and you, yeah, you wanted to do it yourself quickly. And I think part of that's that ability, I think, as a leader to put yourself in the work as well and actually kind of understand at quite a low level where you need to, where there's issues, what what is actually in the trenches, what's going on. Yeah. what And I think what I see too is um, as leaders, uh, individuals can be quite internal. So they're focusing on the internal elements of their business uh, as opposed to let's look at what's happening in market. What do we see? What are the stories we're getting from the data? Uh, what are those data points? What is the research that we're doing? How do we, you know, even adopt technology um, across industry? Uh, across um, geographical and how can we leverage that within our business uh, to remain relevant. And I, I think there is such a, a let's say, 80-20 rule of 80% focus on internal and not enough focused on the external on a regular basis. And yeah. I think they're both really important. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat through a meeting talking about what the budgets are going to be, the sales budget's going to be in five years' time for a product. Yeah. Who the hell knows? And, you know, yeah. particularly with COVID, but I've spent little time talking about what are our customers actually saying about us here and now today and what are the problems. I think if you yeah. started your business meeting with what are the problems the customers yeah. are saying, it'd be yeah. a very different focus in terms of instead of guessing what, how many lipsticks we might sell in five years' time. Yeah, and I love problems. For me, problems are opportunities. It's like the obstacle is the way. Yeah. So what, even internally, what are our major problems um, and, and how do we solve them? And and that is organic innovation, really. It's just about problem solving continually, internally, externally, um, and and to to ensure that we are, you know, improving and remaining relevant yeah. to your point. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But I, and I think um, as well, you, you sort of maybe put a bunch of salespeople in front of the customer who are going to tell the internal what they want to hear. And as long as they're kind of meeting their sales numbers, 
everything's mm-hmm. all good. And you commission yep. them on those sales numbers as well. I've always found that a bit perplexing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't commission yeah. other people on, you know, delivery of tasks. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that in any organisation, uh, that critical thinking, that problem solving, that adaptability is so critical and, and we're seeing a shift towards it. Yeah, yeah, which is good, which is good. And so what made you decide you wanted to write the book? <clears throat> because I think for me I was somewhat frustrated by um, that traditional leadership and the inefficiencies with that traditional leadership and I um, and, and the speed at which it was evolving because yeah. it has a great impact on people uh, and not always in a positive sense, the traditional. And I thought, how can I help leaders and organisations um, become uh, better versions of themselves so that they have greater impact, they have greater influence and they, then they have, um, you know, greater outcomes and income as well. But particularly because I think as a community, uh, socially, we're all crying out for more of that human-centric and and, and, and and that's evident uh even more so now. So if you look at, for instance, um, you know, a couple months ago with Eddie Maguire when he fronted up uh, to the media when they had done the investigations into the racism within the Collingwood Football Club and um, in that moment he he tried to spin something as opposed to just being human about it yeah. and saying, look, we made a mistake. Yeah. I've investigated it. It's not acceptable anymore. We take ownership for it. We're moving forward. We have empathy towards the individuals that have um, experienced that in our organisation and it's not good enough. Yeah. Um, but instead, and people are... What did he say? I can't quite remember what he said, actually. What did he... Yeah, but everyone, he got quite a strong retaliation, I believe. Yeah, he said he said something along the lines of, um, and don't quote me word for word, but something along the lines of the essence of it was this is a proud day for us oh, because they right. had done the investigation. Yeah. Um, but, but I think what what that taught us is that uh, the community no longer wants people spinning things. They don't want the master of spin. Uh, They want honesty. They want, you know, integrity. They just want you to act as if you're human. Um, And and they're demanding that. Uh, and, And even if you look at, you know, with the Prime Minister recently with how he handled the Christine Holgate situation, I mean, that was appalling. Appalling. Um. When you think about that from a human perspective, and and even just the process, and um, and I mean they've been criticised quite regularly about their lack of empathy and continually, and people are saying it's not good enough anymore. Um, you know that that organisations do need to operate with integrity and with the ethics, but from a human perspective, and just do the right thing, and it's not that hard. And I think for me, I. Saw the benefits of when I was able to 
um, when I was able to shift my thinking from being about self to being about service and being human. Now, that doesn't mean we give people everything that they want. I mean, from my perspective, I always think as a leader, it's very much about giving people what they need, not, not, not necessarily what they want. And it's that tough empathy piece and, um, and, and how we can have a greater impact in each other's lives as a result and benefit. I mean, the research is clear that uh, hu- where leaders have greater hum- um, emotional intelligence and are more human-centric, it has a bottom-line positive impact. And uh, and so for me, I just I was really hungry to see that change, and uh, and thought, how can I how can I have a greater impact with that? And hence why I wrote the book. Yeah, no, I, I like that, and it's um, yeah, I, it's I think you know as a leader, it's also about setting your own boundaries as well, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. so you'd recommend start with yourself, start with your own leadership, start with you know what what is the type of leader that you'd like to be, start with that emotional intelligence piece. Yeah, yeah, work with others, and um, you know how can you help them? How can you help them on their journeys, and then the organisation as well. Yeah. And then a lot of the work that I do is really about help supporting executives to see where their gaps are related to this. So, for instance, um, challenging them to think differently, how to tap into individuals. And it's very specific to the um, the executive that I'm working with. So there's no one size fits all cookie cutter approach. Um, it is very much about what I see from the strengths as the leader and then the opportunities for development. And I won't be um, specific in saying you need to do X, Y, and Z because um, if, if we look at the neuroscience behind how the brain works, for instance, if I set up a computer and you set up a computer, Sam, and, and we, you know, we buy them on the same day, we set them up and a year later I come and say, Sam, can I use your computer? Uh, and uh, in that moment I get on there and you filed all your folders differently to what I would have done, yeah. uh, et cetera. So I'm not going to be able to just jump on there like I would my own computer and start, you know, finding everything. And the brains are the same. We're all, our brains are all based on our experiences. They're all based on our knowledge, how we perceive things, et cetera. And so for me, I don't tell people. I, I help them to conclude themselves the areas where I see that they um, have opportunity for development and I help them on that pathway of discovery and uh, and it's very effective because um, they conclude and then they start to implement these techniques and these skills and these strategies in the business and then they see the the effects of that and the impacts of that so it's very very powerful. Awesome, Caroline. I love it. It's so good because, um, you know, you can't change anyone else. People have got to have their own, you know, epiphany, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. How can people get in touch with you? What's the best way? Uh, th- my website, so uh, carolinekennedy.com.au and the book is there, information on me is there and uh, they can contact me through the website as well. 
Beautiful. All right. Well, I recommend everyone grab a copy of that. Have a look at the skills that you're going to need for the next decade. And, um, you know, it's just, it's about doing the work, isn't it? Really? It is. You have to want to do the work. You have to want to do the work. That's exactly right. Thank you, Caroline. Really loved having you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Sam. It was was thoroughly enjoyable. I really appreciate your time. Cheers. Cheers. 